0: So when I talked to Republicans last week, there was a whole lot of anxiety because this is a regime change in Washington. And when there's a regime change in your own party, uh, that means people could lose jobs.
1: Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, October 31st. On this Halloween edition of The Powers That Be, Abby Livingston joins me to talk about the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, and the early political decisions he's making that suggest he's not trying to shake things up too much. And we discuss Dean Phillips, the Minnesota congressman mounting an upstart primary challenge against Joe Biden for the Democratic presidential nomination. Will his campaign hurt Joe Biden or will nobody actually care? We'll discuss all of that and much, much more on today's edition of The Powers That Be. Visit wwwsleepsleepme slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. Happy Tuesday, everybody. And most importantly, happy Halloween from your favorite Halloween aficionado, Peter Hamby here at Puck. I love Halloween. I'm joined today by Abby Livingston to talk about what's been going down in the House of Representatives. We have a new speaker, Mike Johnson, His election to speaker we thought might have some consequences on the uh, political strategy side, but as Abby is going to tell us, that might not be true. I also want to discuss the Democratic presidential campaign of little-known congressman Dean Phillips, who is planting a flag in New Hampshire to primary Joe Biden. I want to talk about that with you, Abby. But first, the great Halloween candy debate. There was a lot of discourse out there after John Kelly and I on Media Monday rated the pros and cons of Almond Joys. Right as we were getting on to record, you just came out of the gate and punched me in the face with candy corn is the worst Halloween candy. Warm take, but can you just give me a little bit of a uh, reason as to why that's the case for you?
0: They have no taste, so you're <laughs> eating sugar when you have like the choices of all the candies in the world and then you would eat candy corn. I will say Almond Joy is a very close second. So yes, okay. that's that, those are my feelings.
1: All right, we are as divided as the House of Representatives right now. Abby Mike Johnson from Shreveport, Louisiana, the land of armadillos, is now the Speaker of the House. Uh, it was a kind of came out of nowhere after this whole election process. Most Americans don't know who this guy is. Democrats in recent days have gone out of their way to point out that he is a right wing, sort of 90s era social conservative. He hosts a religious podcast with his wife. I listened to that for a few minutes last week, um, you know, because I had nothing else to do. He is also sort of, uh, you know, not a loud MAGA voice like Matt Gates or Marjorie Taylor Green, but I would say a accommodationist a go along to get along MAGA kind of guy and make no bones about it. He will probably be even more of a hardliner when it comes to negotiating with Democrats uh, than Kevin McCarthy was maybe slightly more accommodating than Jim Jordan would have been but before analyzing what his leadership style is going to be, how is his transition into leadership been?
0: It's been quite smooth. So when I talked to Republicans last week, there was a whole lot of anxiety because this is a regime change in Washington. And when there's a regime change in your own party, uh, that means people could lose jobs and new people are installed into positions of power and making piles of money if you're a consultant. And it does not appear that is happening. Uh, on Monday morning, there was an announcement that Dan Constan was staying atop the House GOP super PAC. And that was widely read as uh, an indication that Mike Johnson intends to inherit Kevin McCarthy's political operation and not make a lot of changes.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting to me. Dan is has been around Washington for a long time. He worked for some Republicans that were probably. Really conservative in the Tea Party era, at least our conception of that term back then, but friend of the establishment, probably at this point. And explain why that matters, because you also report that the leadership of the National Republican Congressional Committee is going to remain the same. If Jim Jordan had become Speaker, it seems possible, at least, that he would have replaced these campaign strategists with his own people. But for Mike Johnson, it seems like he wants to keep things smooth, Heading into the election next year.
0: Well, I think it's two things. I think one, it's relationships with donors, and uh, Dan uh. Uh, has good relationships with donors, from what it looks like. And uh, this was the way it was portrayed uh, in the announcement was a signal for donors to make mm. them happy. Mm. But I interpreted it as a sigh of relief in the political class. I think the other thing is, no matter how anti-establishment you are. There is like a system in place and it's important to know how things work. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's happening over at the House campaign arm, which is the official arm of the House GOP. The chairman is longtime Congressman Richard Hudson. Before that, he was a staffer, and he's being advised by a consultant named Guy Harrison, who's been involved in these races since 2010, 2009. Mm. So um, a lot of it is just knowing how things work and being in that spot. And you could do a house cleaning, but you might be starting from scratch. And additionally, it's hard to do this in the middle of a campaign cycle.
1: So when you become Leader of the House in this case, but also like if you become the head of a campaign committee in the House or the Senate, uh, or the you know you run a super PAC or whatever, like that is a meal ticket for your consultants and your staffers who are suddenly thrust not only into power but they get to make financial decisions. You know sometimes they can benefit themselves. Who is advising Mike Johnson? Is this a uh, a Louisiana crew, a bunch of LSU folks coming in uh, into the leadership.
0: So Mike Johnson is an LSU Tiger. And go went to under, <laughs> <laughs> And you got to spell it the right way, go. And he uh, got his undergrad and his law degree there. And one of his fraternity brothers is a consultant named... Jason Hebert. uh, I'm trying to get the French pronunciation correct, and he's been with Johnson forever. Now, bear's firm, which is called The Political Firm, several years ago was purchased by Axiom, which is mm. run by Jeff Rowe, who is a frequent character in puck coverage, um, yes. but it doesn't appear that anything's going to be shaken up on that front bears also very close to Steve Scalise. He's sort of the consultant of Louisiana um, in Republican politics, especially mm-hmm. on the federal side. And his other top advisor is his chief of staff, Hayden Haynes, who also came up in Louisiana politics. So we are seeing a just a really strong contingent of Pelican State influence in the House GOP right now. <laughs>
1: jason and hayden i will be at the lsu florida game in a couple of weeks if you want to meet over uh bourbon and jambalaya at my friend's tailgate in br i will be there all right abby i want to take a quick break and when we come back i want to ask you about what's going on in the democratic caucus uh, on the heels of news that dean phillips is running for president By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com powers that be, netsuite.com powers that be. That's netsuite.com powers that be.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the powers that be everybody. Happy Halloween. Katie and I were David Beckham and Posh Spice for Halloween. Abby, do you have a costume?
0: Uh, my go to is Charlie from Top Gun. So it's pretty easy. You need a bomber jacket, a pencil skirt, and dog tags, and you're good to go. I feel
1: like when you get to our age, you're okay recycling costumes everywhere, as long as you can sort of like put something on easily and like enough, enough to show up to like a Halloween party <laughs> without overthinking it.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, Abby, I wrote a piece for Puck this week about Dean Phillips, a house member from Minnesota's third district, the pretty well to do suburbs of Minneapolis. running for president he has been on the sidelines in recent months saying that biden is too old to be the democratic nominee next year Uh, i interviewed him last week on his campaign bus in new hampshire where he was riding around with steve schmidt and doing things like going to the laconia pumpkin festival which sounds awesome actually abby just like what is dean phillips reputation in the house i mean what, what did you even know about him before he announced that he's running to be the Democratic nominee for president, because it feels like he didn't really have much of a profile to speak of.
0: Dean Phillips is a member of the class of 2018, which is stacked with star power. So he was probably overshadowed a bit by the probably Spanbergers and Slockins and AOCs, but he's thrust into uh, the national spotlight now. I think what has come out overtly after his announcement is. I do think he annoys his colleagues. He frustrated them in the past because he was in leadership helping to design the party's messaging strategy, and then he would go off message in criticizing Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. So um, there's been a handful of negative stories after his announcement that reflect that sentiment. But I'm also curious what you're hearing about him and uh, now that he is in the national stage.
1: Well, I mean... Not not great stuff, uh, at least from Biden world. You know, they think this is rather brazen on his part to run for president. You know, and this came through in my conversation with him late last week. He doesn't have any kind of differentiating policy issue from Biden. There was a another Minnesotan named Gene McCarthy who posted up in New Hampshire back in 1968 as an anti-war protest campaign against Sitting president Lyndon B. Johnson of his own party. And, you know, that created a movement, a student movement that loved McCarthy for standing up against the Vietnam War. It opened the door to RFK jumping in the race and eventually forcing LBJ to not run again. And so Phillips doesn't have an issue like that. And even when I asked him about Israel, for example, he kind of punted. I asked him an easy position that could help him carve out space to Biden's left and probably get some support and some money, which is, do you support a ceasefire? He dodged that question every time I asked it. And so his, his rationale is entirely stylistic. He did criticize Biden on, you know, the economy that regular people aren't feeling the impacts of, you know, whatever good economic signals are out there that the Biden administration is talking about. But he like only talks about Biden's age and the need for a younger generation of Democrats to step up and get in the race. And interestingly, on the McCarthy thing, the Gene McCarthy thing, he said this to me, if I am the Eugene McCarthy of 2024, that would be a great legacy. And he said he would welcome other Democrats getting in the race because he wants it to be a competition. He wants more voices out there running against Joe Biden so that hopefully either someone beats Joe Biden Or Biden decides to not run in 2024. He also told me he called personally Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, and J.B. Pritzker, the governor of Illinois, asking them to run too, Uh, but he said they, they didn't answer. I think this guy doesn't have much of a chance, but it's not helpful from a messaging perspective that he is out there giving interviews to reporters and talking to voters and having town halls saying that Biden can't win, Biden can't win, Biden can't win. A Trump campaign loves that. But, you know, reputationally from the members of Congress I talked to, black members don't like what he's doing. Got a quote from Benny Thompson, you know, from Mississippi, who was like, this is disrespectful of black voters because you're going to New Hampshire, which is 90% white. Uh, you know, you should be going to South Carolina and Michigan instead. When I pressed Phillips about that, he said, well, we are going to South Carolina mission. We're going to do that too. But... It doesn't feel like he's carved out much of a brand for himself outside of the suburbs of Minneapolis <laughs> and St. Paul. I don't know. Like, what? Like, have you ever met the
0: guy? I don't think I've officially met Dean Phillips, but I've seen him around the Capitol quite a bit over the years. I also just sort of wonder how he thinks the 1968 comparison of a divided Democratic Party turned out <laughs> for Democrats. I mean, there's also that issue. What I find fascinating about this story is his consultant, Steve Schmidt, who I don't know what he aligns with now, but he's not a Democratic consultant. Bill Burton, who's a prominent Obama guy, was floated as a potential consultant in that race and distanced himself as much as possible on Twitter. And it just it seems like a blackballing that I find fascinating. How many Democrats want to distance themselves from this as much as possible, even though there seems to be a market for another candidate?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. So Phillips called this, quote, a culture of silence. It's sort of conspiratorial, the way he talks about Biden's age. But he says members of his own party in Congress talk about this all the time, but don't say it publicly that Biden is too old, that they want him to step aside, that they want other Democrats to run. And he said, you know, they've been talking about this for two years, but no one's speaking up like everyone's afraid. And look, I think there is a gap between what Democrats and, frankly, reporters say about Joe Biden in green rooms (laughs) and what they say publicly because he is a sitting incumbent president. You know, you need to protect your own interests. Criticizing a Democratic president who's in office is probably not the smartest political thing to do. Yeah, he could be remembered as, you know, a brave truth teller. He could just be remembered as a gadfly. The Biden White House continues to say in the Biden campaign, Yes, there are concerns about the president's job approval ratings. Yeah, people think he's old. But when we get to November 2024, the thing has always been it's going to be a choice between Biden and Trump, who's been indicted over 90 times and is deeply unpopular. Choice, 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 choice. Approval ratings don't matter when you get down to a choice, when abortion is on the ballot, when climate is on the ballot, when guns are on the ballot. But the whole Dean Phillips thing just comes at a... Not awesome time for Biden because while Phillips is not a progressive, he's like as far from the squad as you could possibly get. He's worth seventy-seven million dollars. He was the heir to his family's uh, liquor business, and he he once co-owned Talenti Gelato for ice cream fans out there. And by the way, he talks like a Republican sometimes. He said he told me he wanted to have Republicans in his cabinet. He you know condemned all the spending and the debt. Uh, he said Biden hasn't done a lot on border security. Like these are purebred centrist, <laughs> like down the line, you know, which is probably why he attracted somebody like Steve Schmidt. A progressive primary challenger to Biden would never hire Steve Schmidt, who used to be a Republican strategist. Cornell West would never hire <laughs> Steve Schmidt. Um, he is a let's all come together centrist. And in that sense, that works for Schmidt, who's now a very loud, never Trump content creator and strategist. And so, He's also, by the way, like has still has lots of media connections. And so that's the reason Dean Phillips is getting so much attention, despite not having a brand. Marion Williamson and RFK Jr. didn't have the same kind of (laughs) staff or consultancy when they launched their bids. It took took RFK Jr. a longer time to get attention and grow just because of his willingness to go on podcasts and do non-traditional media. And he was appealing to a different kind of voter. Phillips is trying to appeal to people who read the New York Times and (laughs) care about the state of our nation. So we'll see. I mean, I'd be interested to actually like go to New Hampshire. I haven't been up there this cycle and and just sort of see what his town hall events are like. I'm sure they'll be crowded. But the other thing to keep in mind before I let you go is New Hampshire doesn't have delegates right now. Um, The DNC stripped them of delegates because they insisted on keeping their first in the nation primary status where the DNC and Biden wanted to put South Carolina and Michigan first because they're more diverse. And so it's kind of like a like a fake campaign up there, at least for now. But that's not going to stop people from covering it. And there's a Republican campaign, even though Trump's probably going to win. Like people will, reporters will be in New Hampshire. Reporters will go to Dean Phillips events. Reporters will talk about it and write about it. And New Hampshire voters like attention. And he's got an opportunity. We'll see if he climbs into double digits at any point in any polling. And that will be the first test uh, with only three or four months to go until the New Hampshire primary as to whether he's gaining any traction.
0: Do you think that Biden's snubbing of New Hampshire puts it in play because it is a battleground state? And does mm. Dean Phillips's candidacy exacerbate that for Biden?
1: I think the Biden people are trying to run a write-in campaign to make sure that he snuffs out any challenge that gets just attention. I don't know if the Biden campaign like made a mistake by totally ignoring New Hampshire. Like, as you said, it is a swing state, although Biden won New Hampshire by seven points in 2020. You know, Democrats won the Senate there in 2022. I mean, it's still Democratic leaning in a general. I think the issue is less, can Democrats win there in the general right now? It's just that could this hurt Biden in the narrative, um, even as he coasts to the nomination in Chicago next summer? Because we all know, speaking of 1968, that nothing dramatic has ever happened at a Democratic convention. In Chicago. But Dean Phillips, sounds like he'll be there, at least haranguing people to be able to keep whatever delegates he wins in New Hampshire. Abby, Um, I will let you go and start trick-or-treating. Thank you for joining me.
0: Thanks for having me, Peter.
1: Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance.